Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind here. Christian Clark to my left, Monday edition of the program. And Christian, the Nuggets... They keep winning. I don't know how they're doing it at this point. Down three starters, more than 50% of their payroll on the books, 60 million on the injury report, dressed in street clothes on the sidelines. One night, they beat the Thunder by putting up 109 points on the best defense in the league. The next, they score 95 points against the Raptors, who I know were banged up, but the Raptors came into this matchup as the second best offense in the league, hold them to 86 points and win ugly. Do you have any idea how they keep pulling this off? Well, I've got a theory, and let me know if you agree with this one. They're good as hell. They're good. They're very good. They are legitimate. We're well past the quarter pull of the NBA season. We're past the third mark of the NBA season. We're approaching Christmas here when you know, most people really start to take the NBA seriously. And when a lot of casual fans will hit the Christmas mark and they'll look at the NBA standings for the first time, the Nuggets will probably be at the top of the Western Conference or very near the top of the Western Conference. Um, it's been an incredible run so far. And the best part about it is they don't really show any signs of slowing down. Sure, there's going to be some lulls along the way. Look, I expect when a guy like Will Barton comes back, which you know he could in the next week, week and a half here, there will probably be a little bit of an adjustment period, ramping him up, getting him back in the starting lineup. He's not like the easiest guy to integrate, I don't think, but Nuggets will be fine. That's what's really impressive about this run to open the season. They're doing it with defense, which from what we've seen, from the data we have, from what we've watched this year, is something they can carry with them through the rest of the season. The offense, it's still kind of up and down. Some nights it's there more than others, but I think it's in a good spot right now. What they've been doing on the court seems like it's very repeatable over you know the next few months to me. Yeah, they're winning in, in so many different types of ways this season. They can still win the occasional shootout. I mean, sometimes they they have great offensive nights and good defensive nights and just blow teams out. 
Last night, they didn't have a particularly good offensive night and still won the game by nine points against a really good team. I mean, Denver shot 35% from the field in the first half. Right. That's not a win last year. That is not a game they win last year. I feel pretty confident in saying that. I mean, what they're able to do defensively in the fourth quarter and then finally make a couple shots was so impressive. I mean, Jamal Murray outscored the Raptors by himself in that fourth quarter. Yeah. It's funny because over the first half and parts of the third quarter, the looks were there. Nuggets were getting a lot of open looks from two-point range, from three-point range, for guys who would normally hit those looks. Like Juancho Hernan Gomez is in a little bit of a slump from three right now. He had probably four or five wide-open threes in the first half that he just missed. Then, in the middle of the third quarter, when they rattle off that 23-2 run into the fourth quarter, that's when they finally started to hit some of those open looks. Jamal Murray got it going. Nicole Jokic had a couple big baskets during that stretch. And that's probably where we should start this show when discussing this game. What Nicole Jokic has been able to do really the entire season, but more specifically over these last, what, four games since Paul Millsap has gone down, it's been incredible. He definitely knows that he's got to step up. You can tell that he's aware that he needs to take on a little bit more responsibility on the offensive end of the floor. Well, he might not say it. He'll play coy with it. But you can tell from just watching him that you know, this is a guy who's realizing more and more, game by game, month by month, year by year, that he's the franchise player here. The Nuggets need him to shoulder a lot of the offensive load on a night-to-night basis, specifically, and even more so, when they're without three starters and three starters that are big-time scores for them. It's fun to watch that element of his game kind of mature. Yeah, I mean, he's just been a killer these last four games. Michael Michael Malone compared this stretch of games without three starters uh, to the way Jokic played down the stretch last season in those final 18 games. If you go and look at the numbers, they're, they're really, really similar. Um, the final 18 games of last season when Denver was fighting for its playoff live, uh, Jokic averaged 24 on 54% shooting, 11.5 rebounds, 6.5 assists. I mean, nearly identical numbers these last four games. 25.3 points on 56% shooting, 11.8 rebounds, and 6.5 assists per game. This is very reminiscent of what he was able to do you know, last season, pretty much after that, that benching in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just dominating every aspect of the game right now. And I said last week that I thought he could reel off a run similar to the one that he did at the end of last season. Obviously, he's got to keep this up for what? Five more games. Right. At least five, six, seven, eight more games here. So it's still to be determined if he's going to be able to equal the numbers he put up to end last year. But the reason I thought he could was because you've seen it time and time again over the course of the season, kind of leading up to this Millsap injury. You've seen Jokic take over at times on the offensive end of the floor late in games when the Nuggets have needed his offense. I think more so than you did through most of last year. Not talking about the run to end the year, of course, because that's you know been well publicized how dominant he was and how much initiative he took on the offensive end of the floor during that stretch. But this year you have seen it in spots and I've just gotten a feeling and a sense from talking with him and talking with people around the team that he's realizing more and more that there are going to be times when the Nuggets really need his offense. There are going to be a lot of times when They just need to dump the ball down to him in the post at the end of the game, and he needs to go get a bucket. Or 
He needs to put the ball on the floor, draw two defenders, and kick it out to an open shooter. And because I've been kind of sensing that you know he's maturing in that aspect of the game, that's why I thought he could have a run like this. So uh, we'll see if he can keep it up. It's funny, Monte Morris had a funny story last night, and he's told this before, but he says late in games, in you know one of the timeouts under, say, the five or four-minute mark, he'll go over to Jokic and tell him, hey, buddy, you're a franchise player. The ball's coming to you in the post. Just be ready for it. And I think that's a cool little bit of insight into how the Nuggets also view Jokic as that franchise guy and that guy who they need to count on a lot, specifically late in games. A lot of different people were using the phrase franchise guy, franchise player last night. Uh, Michael Malone said he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's our franchise player. We've committed to him. We've believed in him. He's the future of this team. Um, (laughs) I mean, it's funny that we're we're at this point. Everybody is like, yeah, Jokic is the undisputed guy for this franchise. I mean, it's funny how far we've come in, in a year and a half or so. I mean, the media day before last, Jokic was like, yeah, Paul Millsap's the guy. And we yeah. kind of saw some evolution last year. And now we're just there. Yeah, now it's like he realizes it. I think yeah. we all realize he was obviously the franchise guy entering last season. That was pretty clear. Uh, but yeah, now it's just becoming even more evident that when Denver really needs him, when they're without three starters, when they're without... Paul Millsap and Gary Harrison, Will Barton, three guys who can all score 20 points like that. That's when he's really making his mark, so it's been cool to see. He's been uh, Denver's high point man four games in a row. Uh, got the 26 points, 11 for 19 shooting last night. He had some ridiculous shots. He had that yep. spin move into a reverse layup. He did a, a pretty Euro step. My favorite shot of the night was him backing, who was it, Serge Ibaka down backwards and not even turning for the baby hook he, he just went up with his back face in the basket and kind of spun the ball in I've never seen a shot like that before in a game is that the shot he says he practices yeah he or says he works the on Euro the, step I think he says he works on okay. that flip shot because there was a bit of confusion in the locker room when asking him about that shot and, and which one he practices but I'm with you I think it's the reverse one that he does practice which who practices that right only Nikola Jokic <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he's just a freak. I mean, I don't understand how somebody can have hand-eye coordination like that. Yeah, so his stats since Millsap went down are incredible, like you just rattled off. You know, 25 points a game, nearly 12 rebounds, six and a half assists, almost identical to what he put up over the last 18 games of last season. So the question we probably have to get to here, and Dan Devine wrote about this on The Ringer here Monday morning, where does Nikola Jokic stay in the MVP race right now? The Nuggets are the top team in the Western Conference. They are tied in the loss column with the Toronto Raptors and with the Milwaukee Bucks for the fewest losses in the NBA. All those three teams have nine losses apiece. Nuggets are a half game up on the Golden State Warriors. There's been some really stellar performances in the league this year from the likes of Giannis, Kawhi, and Toronto. Kevin Durant's had a good year. Russell Westbrook and Paul George are you know, leading the Thunder to the top of the West. LeBron James is doing a lot of LeBron James things. Do you have a sense of who might be your top five in MVP right now? And if Jokic is in that group? I scribbled out a list right before we did this. Um, this isn't a deep dive by any means, but right now I got Giannis one, Kawhi Leonard number two, Jokic number three, Braun number four, and Kevin Durant number five. Yeah, I think he's definitely in the conversation. 
He's definitely in the conversation. He probably should be in the top five right now. There's a lot of contenders, I would say. I'd say Giannis is probably the leader in the clubhouse. Like I said, the Bucks have the fewest losses in the league. He's having an incredible year, putting up incredible numbers. I mean, 26.5 points, 13.2 rebounds, uh, 6.1 assists. Numbers that blow Nikola Jokic's production out of the water, quite frankly. Then you got like Kevin Durant, who's been the one consistent piece on the Warriors, while Steph Curry and Draymond Green have been in and out of the lineup. Kawhi Leonard, he's definitely got a case. Embiid, you could probably make a case for him. LeBron should be in the argument, I would say. So I'd say my top five right now in order, slightly different. I'm going Giannis one, LeBron two, Jokic three, Kawhi four, Kevin Durant five. I've probably got Anthony Davis like sixth. I mean, he's he's right right there too. I, I don't. I mean, the Pelicans are one game under five hundred. So as good as he's been, I feel a little bit weird about putting him in the top five. But he's having a great year too. The Pelicans just aren't good enough right now. Fifteen and sixteen. Like you said, a game under 500, not in playoff positioning. They've got to be better. And then James Harden, Houston hasn't been good enough this year at 14 and 14. And Paul George and Westbrook are tough. Those are tough because you think the Thunder should probably have a representative in there. But hey, it's a crowded field at this point. Not everybody can get in. Yeah, you did forget one name, uh, Luka Doncic. <laughs> Luka Doncic, <laughs> who will be in Pepsi Center Tuesday. Did you see that Dave Yeager quote last night? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for us. Yeah, well, there's nobody that loves talking about the prospect they didn't draft more than Dave Yeager, who goes on about how the Memphis Grizzlies didn't draft Rodney Hood every chance he gets. Uh, I think Dave Yeager would have liked, as probably a lot of people around the Kings would have liked, for uh, a different guy to be selected second overall. So we've both got Jokic top five and MVP right now. If you're looking at all NBA teams... He's the only center we both listed in our top five on the MVP ballot right now. So that would mean he's on NBA first team among centers. I don't know if he'll finish there, but you know, Embiid might get a lot of votes. Anthony Davis could even get votes. We'll see where like a guy like Towns ends up. But like, if he is in top five in MVP right now, he's probably on NBA first team because he's the only center in our top five right now. But um, will he finish there? You know, probably not. I bet Embiid gets there. Yeah, Jokic uh, probably was disrespected a little bit in all NBA voting. I think he should have finished higher than he did last year. People, I don't think, gave him enough credit for the way he closed the season those last 18 games. Yeah, and he'll have to get that credit this time around for this current stretch if he keeps it up, right? Because the difference is this year... The Nuggets are at the top of the Western Conference when he's doing this, which gets you more notoriety, gets you more pub, it gets you more national headlines. It's a bigger spotlight when you're playing this way at the top of the conference than when you're at the ninth seed trying to close the year and move up to the eighth seed, right? Yeah, whenever you ask anybody in the Nuggets organization about the perceived lack of disrespect to Jokic you know, around the league for media members, they always say, well, it's going to come with team success. If we, if we win, then it's going to take care of itself. Right. That's how you win Player of the Week awards, although I'm not quite sure how he didn't win it this week and James Harden did. But, hey, the Rockets went 3-0. They're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, so are the Nuggets. And, I mean, Jokic just won one of those. Lukewarm take, by the way. Player of the Week awards are silly. I don't need an award for, like, three-game increments. Like, 
player of the month should be like the smallest amount of time. Yeah, player of the week awards are ridiculous. Paul Millsap won it for what he did in two games. Yeah. I mean, maybe you did like two week stretches, like player of the fortnight. Okay. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. Got some more notes from this game, observations. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. This podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right, as many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spano's here and he's gonna tell us a little bit about it. Yeah guys, this year alone, I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. <laughs> if it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to inwego.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego, Harrison Wind, and Christian Clark here recording on a Monday afternoon. Nuggets are off today after their big one over the Raptors. They'll get back at it Tuesday against Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. Here's the last thing I'll say about this Jokic MVP thing. What seed do you think the Nuggets have to finish at for him to garner serious top five consideration? They got to be at least top three and probably one or two. I agree. I agree. Um, Two, and he's probably in the top five. Three, I don't know. That gets a little tricky, I think. I, I will say, though, that we've seen in the last couple of years... Guys who've, you know, finished or who've been on teams that finish, you know, like in that four through eight range, get a little bit more recognition in the in the MVP race. Anthony Davis finished pretty high last year. Russell Westbrook won it when, what did the Thunder finish that year? They were like the sixth seed. I'd have to look it up. But I do kind of like that because I think in the past it's it's too weighted towards team in the top teams in the top three. I mean, I don't think, you know... If you're not in the top three, you should be automatically disqualified. But I mean, Jokic, like the Nuggets are going to have to finish in the top three for him to, you know, have a legit chance. No question. Oh, I totally agree, man. I totally agree. But we know the Nuggets kind of play by a different set of rules than everybody else when it comes to how high they would need to finish for Jokic to get serious consideration. Anthony Davis, yeah, he, he can get some consideration if the Pelicans finish for their six. Carl Towns, even like if he was having an unbelievable offensive season and the Timberwolves you know, finish sixth in the West, he would get consideration. I think Jokic could put up whatever numbers that he's physically capable of. He could average 30 points, 12 rebounds, six assists per game. I don't think he'd garner serious consideration, even if he put up those numbers and the Nuggets finished sixth or seventh in the West. Just looked it up, by the way. The uh, Thunder finished sixth that year, 47-35. and 35. Uh, Westbrook won MVP, and his team won 47 games. Of course, he had like the whole Kevin Durant narrative and the triple doubles narrative, too, and we know the media loves narratives. So. Hey, I think Russell Westbrook deservingly won MVP that year. Ooh. I, 
I don't really understand why that's a hot take. People discount triple doubles like they don't mean anything anymore, and it's ridiculous. Okay. How about that? <laughs> that was a take. Uh, I think at the time I was on the side of Russell Westbrook, but now uh, a couple years removed, I, I think that either Kawhi or Harden probably should have won. But I disagree, and I'll leave it at that. The last thing I'll say, though, about Jokic and the MVP discussion, I do hope that when the voting is getting done at the end of the regular season, voters look back at this stretch here that Jokic is putting together and probably will continue to put together over the rest of the month and maybe into January without three starters, maybe without two starters for much of that stretch and take into consideration how he's really putting nuggets on his back here because it's something that a lot of MVPs or guys who will be in the top five for MVP wouldn't have to do. They wouldn't have to carry their team with three or five starters out for as long as Jokic probably will over the rest of the month and maybe into January. The defense has been so incredible here. And the Nuggets, I believe, are what? The fourth-ranked defense right now in the league after last night. I want to talk about Mason Plumlee's defensive impact here really quickly because we've spoken about him a lot this year. We've sung his praises a lot. What he's done, though, is still probably gone a little bit under the radar. In my opinion, he's probably the second most impactful defender on this team throughout the entire year behind Paul Millsap. And with these games that Millsap is slated to miss here, you know, he could be out for a few weeks. Plumlee is probably going to pass him in just overall defensive impact on the season. And yeah, he's only doing it in like 18 minutes per game. But like I've said on this podcast before, he gives you 18 A plus minutes per game. And he was at it Last night, he had this one play, which I couldn't go back and find the replay of because the broadcast, they were showing this highlight reel right when he was making it. But he sprints into the backcourt, dives on the floor to try to win this loose ball against Greg Monroe, ends up tangled with some courtside fans over on the sideline, doesn't end up getting to the ball. The Raptors get it down court, get it over to OG Ananobi in the corner, somehow plumbly in a full-on sprint, is able to make it all the way back to the corner, contests the three, winds up like in the stands again, out over by the Photogs. Ananobi misses the shot. But it was just pretty much a play-by-plumley that kind of sums up how the Nuggets are defending this year. And more specifically, how Plumley is just all about effort all the time. The guy always gives 100% effort. Uh, so... It's been fun to watch this Nuggets defense, but Plumlee just kind of embodies the extra effort, all-out hustle that really is evident up and down the roster this year, it seems. I know what play exactly what play you're talking about. I was sitting on the opposite side of the arena as you, but I made a note in my, my notebook about that. I just wrote, holy F, Plumlee with a couple exclamation points. Right. That dude plays so hard. Um, I mean, I'm happy that he's starting to get some credit because I think he's a great teammate and he just gives a plus effort a hundred percent of the time when he's out there. You know, I, I was, I was fairly critical of the Jokic Plumlee lineup last year, especially when the, the, the offense really started to bog down there in January. And I thought they should have made a change. Um, but you know, in the aggregate, they're pretty good with Jokic and Plumlee on the floor together last season. They've been really good with those two on the floor this season. Nuggets are allowing 89.1 points per hundred possessions when Jokic and Plumlee are on the floor together this year. I mean, they've just been phenomenal defensively. I think a lot of Plumlee's qualities are underrated as a defender. 
Like his hustle, he probably doesn't get enough credit for that. How athletic he is. He is an unbelievable athlete. At seven feet tall, how he can run and jump and change directions. And sure enough, uh, Sunday night, he's guarding Kawhi Leonard to begin the game and you know, guarded him a lot throughout uh, the four quarters the other night. That was super impressive, just how he can move his feet at seven feet tall. Like I said, his athleticism, how he can protect the rim, how he can get up for lobs. He's a very skilled player. You know, people like to knock him for his free throw shooting, and that's deserving because he is brutal from the line. Uh, but he knows his role, and that's what's really special about him and the year he's having. Uh, he, he's fitting into exactly what the Nuggets need. It's pretty clear that I think Mason Plumlee is feeling healthier that, than he has you know, the two seasons before this. He had surgery to, to kind of repair that, that core issue that had been bothering them. I think that's made a huge difference for him. He is so athletic, man. I, d- I didn't know that he was quite this athletic coming into this year. I mean, go back and watch final minutes of Nuggets game against OKC in OKC, Plumlee goes up for a block, and then on his way down, he swipes it from Steven Adams going up. I mean, it's such an athletic play for someone as enormous as him. I mean, he had a couple other blocks in that game where he just swallowed the defender up. I believe he's second on the team right now in stocks, steals yep. plus blocks. He's past Jokic. Generating a ton of turnovers. Right. Millsap is first in that category. Plumlee is second, Jokic is third, and it's crazy because like Plumlee's doing that in 60% of the minutes that Jokic and Millsap are doing that in. His production in those 19 minutes per game is just crazy. Sue Bird was at Pepsi Center Sunday night. She spoke with the media for the first time since Nuggets hired her to their front office earlier this season. And quick note about Sue Bird, she is incredible. She is awesome. She's got an unbelievable energy to her, a completely positive vibe. She really can brighten up a room right when she walks in, and she knows basketball. She's a hooper, and she's a killer on the court, but just a really interesting and insightful person off of it, and we got to hear a little from her Sunday night. And if you want to read what she had to say, we published pretty much the entire Q&A that the media had with her on bsndenver.com, so make sure to check that out. But Subert had an insightful quote about what she values most in a player. And she said, I think an understanding of who you are is by far the best quality you can have as a player. That means if you're a star player and your job is to get us 30 every night, you need to embrace that and understand it. If it's your job to guard the opposing team's best player and come in for five minutes and work your butt off, you need to be okay with that and understand it. Sometimes people get outside of that and it can be tough. If a player knows who they are, I want them on my team. She could have been talking about a lot of guys with that quote. She could could have been talking about Nicole Jokic, who, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, has kind of had this epiphany, I think, that the Nuggets really need more offense from him and with how banged up they are. You could apply that to somebody like Torrey Craig, who just works his butt off on the defensive end of the floor and is so tired from chasing around the best player every night that sometimes he just doesn't have it on the offensive end. You could also apply it to Plumlee, who just goes out there for 18 minutes, finishes lobs at the rim, crashes the glass so hard on both ends of the floor, hustles his butt off. So you could probably apply that quote to a number of players on the Nuggets roster. We really don't talk about the value of understanding your role enough. I mean, it's so important. Mason Plumlee is a great example of that. I mean, he's he's got the talent to be a starter in this league. I don't think there's any question about it. He was a starting center on that Trailblazers team that won a playoff series. But 
I mean, first of all, he got paid a lot of money to be here, so let's say that. But right. second of all, I mean, he, he humbles himself every night. Like, I'm sure he doesn't love only playing, you know, 15, 17 minutes some night, but he's going out and playing A-plus ball. I mean, up and down the roster, the Nuggets have guys who understand who they are. Monte Morris is like that. Torrey Craig is like that, as you said. Nicole Jokic is understanding that when all these guys are out, he does have to be the guy to go out and try to get 30, even though he might not be especially comfortable with that. So I love that quote from Sue Bird. It's so true, man. I mean, a lot of guys in this league have the choice between do I want to be a small part of something good or potentially even great, or do I want to be a big part of something that's mediocre or bad? Um, Mason Plumley choosing to be a small part of something that has the potential to be something great right now. Yeah, knowing your role has got to be one of the more underrated qualities you can have as a player. And I agree with what Subert had to say. It's one of the most important things to look for in a player. I typically say that basketball IQ is what I value most in players, but knowing your role is right up there. It's definitely like maybe in the top three or top five in uh, attributes if you're looking to uh, to rank them. Plumley definitely embodies that. A number of the guys on this Nuggets team do. I mean, freaking Monte Morris knows exactly what his role is. He knows he's not a scorer. Like, if you talk to Monte and ask him about playing with Jamal, uh, he'll say that if you ask them maybe why do they play so well together, he goes, yeah, because I can just set Jamal up for what he does best, score the ball. It's just evident up and down the roster. I thought that was a really insightful answer that – I applied to Plumlee last night, but you know, really you could go in a number of different directions on the Nuggets roster. Yeah, Bird was also asked about the Nuggets point guard play. I mean, she's a legendary point guard, obviously. Um, and she said that the thing she likes most about the Nuggets point guards is that they can play together and they complement each other. Um, that was kind of something I, I wrote about last night, just the success the Nuggets have had with Morris and Murray on the court at the same time this year. They outscored the Raptors by 16 points when those guys shared the floor. They were playing together when they went in that nuts 23-2 to run. Uh, and those two guys have, have logged 341 minutes together this season. Denver's outscoring opponents by 10 points per 100 possessions. I'm sure a lot of those minutes are that killer bench mob lineup yeah. that Denver likes to roll out. But those two guys play so well together. Uh, Monte mentioned that they played a bunch together this summer, two-on-two, five-on-five. That that gave him a chance to really get acquainted with Jamal's game. And he said one other thing is they kick it off the court too. So I, I think there's a relationship you know, outside of what goes on in the court. I wrote this in my piece about Mason Plumlee last night that you can find on bsendeavor.com. But the Nuggets paid Plumlee $41 million. They paid him starting center money. Because in their minds, he was the best backup center in the league. And with him and Jokic and Paul Millsap, three guys who can play both the power forward and center positions, really three guys who can play with each other in a lot of different lineups. They felt that we have the best front court, the best three-man front court in the league. How he's playing this year, he's making the Nuggets – look like they were right for thinking he could be the best backup center in the league. He's been one of them this season. And Monte Morris had a funny quote last night where he said, that's why we pay him the big bucks. And, you know, he couldn't be more right. Uh, this is exactly what the Nuggets paid him 
to be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of money for a backup center, but I think Plumlee has been worth every penny this year. I mean, he's been so impactful in, in that, that low usage role. There's a lot of funny stuff to come out of last night. Um, someone asked Plumlee about just the clarity the Nuggets have at point guard. You know, it was just really problematic for the Nuggets figuring out what to do at backup point guard last year. They had Moutier. That was a disaster. They tried Will Barton at backup point guard. And, you know, Mason Plumlee kind of illustrating how much, um, you know, more solid that, that position is this year, pointed out the fact that they're relying on Will Barton. One of Plumlee's quotes was, Monte, he's been great for us. I remember last year we were playing Will Barton at the one. Will's a score. Monte sets the table. It's good to have a rotation that you can count on deep into the bench. Or their point guard play has not been the most consistent over the last couple of years. But this year, I mean, it's a different story. That might be a good way to transition into Monte Morris and boy. <laughs> Another great game from Monte Morris. Plus 12, third highest plus minus on the team last night uh, outside of Mason Plumley and uh, Jamal Murray. Jamal had a great night as well, too, after going really quiet in the first half, exploded in that 23-2 to two run. Uh, but Monte, how about this? 38 minutes for Monte Morris last night off the Nuggets bench. He closed the game as well. And it's unbelievable because the Nuggets are now relying on Monte Morris for 30-plus minutes really every night. Played 26 against OKC, but 28 against Memphis, 30 against Atlanta. You got to think with Dallas's guard play, he'll be well up above 30 on Tuesday against the Mavericks. And the best part about it is Denver can get away with playing him 30 plus minutes a night because he's playing at an unbelievable level right now. How about his three point shot? That was probably the biggest concern I actually had about Monte Morris heading into this season. I wasn't sure how he'd shoot the ball from three. He shot it pretty well in college, didn't shoot it great in the G League last year, but of course he made those tweaks to his jumper. We've written about it. We've talked about it. And now he's one of the better shooters on the team. I feel very comfortable when he goes up for a three-pointer, wide open or uncontested. His release looks quick. He's shooting the ball confidently. That one dribble step back that he's developed that he can really get off against anybody I don't think that's a shot he would have even thought about attempting earlier in the season. He's come leaps and bounds in these first few months. Harrison, Monte Morris is fourth on this team in total minutes. Fourth behind, behind Jamal Murray, Nicole Jokic, and Juancho Hernan Gomez. It's unbelievable how much they've relied on this guy so far. I mean, coming into the season, man, I think a lot of people thought that Isaiah Thomas is just going to be this team's backup point guard, and understandably so. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, not that long ago, you know, finished fifth in MVP voting. He averaged 29 points per game. I mean, I just don't see any way Monte Morris is losing this backup point guard job. I mean, maybe there's a way the Nuggets can figure out how to play IT, Monte, and Jamal in the rotation when, when IT comes back, but... I mean, you you cannot afford to take Monte Morris out of the rotation. I mean, Michael Malone even even said last night, look, I, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect Monte Morris to be closing games. I mean, shoot, Monte Morris has probably been one of the best 10 bench players in the league this year, something right. like that. He's probably been one of the best backup point guards in the league. If I had to rank Nuggets players in terms of how valuable they've been to the team's success this season. I think Monte Morris is the third most valuable player if you're going by that criteria. 
behind Nikola Jokic, Paul Millsap, and then Monte Morris. How he has captained the bench unit, a bench unit which was terrible last year and now is one of the best in the league. How he shot the ball, how he's played with the starters, how he's closed games. I look at what the bench unit is with him and I envision what it would be without him. And because there'd be such a big disparity, I really feel like he's the third most valuable player on this team so far. Ooh, that's a little spicy. I don't know if I would go quite as high as third. I mean, I think that Jamal Murray has probably been a little more valuable for this team. Um, I know he's not scoring the basketball efficiently, but you you just kind of need somebody to go out there and get 18 for you and you do? not be gun shy even even when they're they're missing some shots. Um so I I would probably put Jamal Murray just a hair ahead of Monte, but I could see why you'd go the other way. I mean, one of the things I look up after every game is Monte's total assist compared to total turnovers this year. He's at 118 assists. <laughs> 19 turnovers. He has almost 100 more assists than he does total turnovers. What? And I'm calling out the official scorer for last night, though. Monte Morris finished with zero turnovers. I was watching him hold the ball at the end of the game when the shot clock ran down on the Nuggets' final possession, and they just held the ball and then uh, turned it back over to Toronto. So maybe they're not counting those turnovers anymore or something. But, yes, another night where Monte Morris officially finishes with zero turnovers. I think there are some times when they don't count like three-quarter heaves at the end of at the end of quarters too, right? Really? Yeah, I think there are some instances <laughs> I didn't think of so. That. I thought that's why everybody hangs on to the ball after the clock already expires so they don't get that shot counted against them. I don't know. Maybe we need an investigation. We need to talk to the scorekeepers at Pepsi Center, yeah. see if they're counting those. I'm, I'm not quite sure how he ended up with zero turnovers last night. Well, they also give some assists to Nicole Jokic that he probably shouldn't. So maybe they help Monte Morris out with the turnovers as well. I think those scorekeepers understand that they got to help Monte Morris, you know, keep the brand. Yeah. The assist to turnover ratio, that's the brand. That assist to turnover ratio is crazy, though. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to, like, calculate what that is, but just looking 100-something assists to 19 turnovers. I mean, he has 19 turnovers in 722 minutes, and he's bringing the ball up and initiating the offense every single right. time. He's the point guard every time he's on the floor, right? Like, Nikola Jokic turns the ball over quite a bit, but you take that because he's the point guard. He has the ball in his hands the most of the team. Jamal Murray starts at point guard, but he plays off the ball a lot throughout the game. Monte Morris is always playing point guard. He's always dribbling the ball up if he's in the game. Yeah, the Nuggets should give Monte a 10-year deal right now. <laughs> that probably viol- that violates the CBA, but... Yeah. 10-year, 100 mil. <laughs> I think, think Monte would take that. I think he'd take that. Just give him like the same mil for what the assisted turnover ratio is. All right, we got more to get to on this game. I got some other observations I want to get off the chest here. But first, I want to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee from Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. The thing about them is their reviews are incredible. You've got to check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. Also, CBD is all natural. It's not psychoactive. Coffee is rich and tasty. And honestly, we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. Again, promo code BSN2018 at checkout. 
for 20% off your order of Strava Craft Coffee. Get it shipped straight to your door. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Got some questions I want to get to here on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Let's go there right now. Hey, Chris in Denver. Uh, pretty pretty good win against Toronto. I got to be honest. I was um, I was almost expecting a loss going into that one, but uh, both squads banged up. It looks like uh, the Nuggets were able to were able to play a little uglier. You know, there's a saying that you should never fight with a pig because you know at a certain point you're going to realize that you're hip deep in mud and the pig likes it. The Nuggets are starting to look like that pig. Um, they're they're just great at playing this ugly, grinded-out basketball. Uh, what can you say about Murray and Jokic? I mean, they're doing everything they can to, to carry this team. And I like what Malone had to say that, you know, Jokic is doing exactly what they need him to do as the team's franchise player. That's exactly what they need him to do, and that's exactly what he's supposed to do, and he's doing it. It's It really is special to see this team come together. I mean, I know they're going to have some uh, – you know, they're probably going to go through a couple struggles here and there, but um, this stretch is one of the one of the most incredible things I've seen out of any sports team. I can't imagine any other teams in any sport missing 60% of their starting lineup and still going toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the best teams in the league at home, albeit, but hey, win's a win. And uh, I, I just caught three great ones in a row. So, as always... Uh, thanks for all your hard work. I love the show. Keep up the great work and go Nuggets. Thanks for the call, Chris. As always, I like the illusion slash comparison too. Here's what I'm noticing about this team over these past couple of games. And really, it's been the case to a large part over the whole season. Every team that comes into Pepsi Center that the Nuggets go up against and beat always leaves the arena in just a heap of frustration. Think back to the Thunder game a couple days ago. Russell Westbrook trying to fight Jamal Murray at the end of that game after uh, he went through a frustrating night. Torrey Craig locked him up. Uh, He did not have an efficient night scoring the ball in the Thunder lose. Then last night, Nick Nurse complains about the officiating on Kawhi Leonard after the game is over. I don't know. It seems like the Nuggets are developing a knack for getting under their opponent's skin. Everybody seems to be leaving the Pepsi Center pissed off. Are you seeing that too? Russell Westbrook wanted to square up with Nikola Jokic. Uh, shouted a couple of yeah. obscenities at him the other night. I, I saw a lot of people debating who would win that fight uh, online, which of course people were doing that online. And I don't. I don't think I'm just going to give it to Russell Westbrook. I think uh, Nikola Jokic is a lot tougher than you know. Maybe a lot of people nationally realize. I don't know if they've seen his older brothers. <laughs> I mean, when you grow up with those two guys, your older brothers, and you got to learn to be pretty tough. I don't think Russell Westbrook is a fighter, man. Yeah, he might I not. I don't be. think he is a fighter. He's a guy who's going to lob a lot of words at you, but when push comes to shove, I don't think he's about that. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say because we never see fights in the NBA. Yeah, I just don't think he's about that action. Everybody leaves pissed off when they play the Nuggets. They have a knack for getting under people's skin right now, and I just really don't think they really care about who their opponent is. They really don't. They don't care that they're playing Russell Westbrook. They don't care that they're playing LeBron or the Warriors or the Raptors. 
they just go out there and ball, and that's one of the coolest parts about this team. It also speaks to just how they play together and how they're so connected this season and playing as one. But they really don't care who their opponent is. And I know the team has kind of developed this identity behind Jamal Murray, at least from a national perspective. This is how the national media and kind of the national NBA audience views Denver. They view them in the same light that they view Jamal Murray when, you know, he's going to talk shit to Russell Westbrook or is going to put 48 points on Boston and go for 51. They kind of view Denver as the troll that Rachel Nichols put up on the screen when they were talking about the Nuggets on the jump. And that's how they kind of view the Nuggets identity. I don't agree with that. I don't think that's who this team is. Jamal Murray might be that to an extent, but I don't think that's reflective up and down this roster. I think this team is more so just a group that isn't going to be intimidated by who they're playing, right? And just kind of go out there and hoop. The Jamal Murray troll Photoshop was one of the best things I've seen this year uh, so far in this NBA season. I don't know, man. I mean, we, I think, you know, being on an opposing team than uh, Nikola Jokic, you, you see a much different side of him. We see him as kind of this goofy, lovable guy, but man, he uh, is not afraid to, to mix it up and get you in some awkward positions when you're playing against him. But like Nikola Jokic isn't a troll. Paul Millsap isn't a troll. Gary Harris isn't a troll. Right? Yeah, like that's Jamal Murray. That's not representative of this Nuggets team, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know why they're getting under so many opponents' skin lately. I mean, I, I know why the Lakers dislike the Nuggets, but... It's also, and I wrote about this two weeks ago, but the Nuggets are shaking up right now a Western Conference that has enjoyed law and order over the past few seasons, right? Golden State at the top, Houston second or third, Utah, Minnesota, Portland, Oklahoma City. I don't think other Western Conference powers like the Nuggets suddenly rising to the top of the conference like this and taking everybody by surprise. I'm not sure how much the Warriors and how much the Thunder like the Nuggets, who are kind of the new kid on the block in the West, kind of just taking over and having fun doing that. I think that rubs some teams the wrong way, and that's another reason why I think they're getting under people's skin. They're just kind of this Western Conference irritant right now. Just kind of this team that's here to shake things up. And that's more so their identity than a troll that's trying to clown other people. Yeah. I mean, the only troll they have or player who does trollish things is Jamal Murray. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, that's him. And that's fine. The Nuggets kind of need somebody like that. That's healthy in a sense. But that's not the rest of this team. I think that's something a lot of national people have gotten wrong, actually. All right, we got two more questions from the Total Beverage Fan Hotline I want to hit. Again, if you guys got questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394. If you've never called before, it's just an answering machine, so leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and leave a question for the show. Let's go back there right now. Uh, This is Ray from Maryland. Uh, Great win tonight. Uh, Just got back from Portugal on vacation. Fun win to watch to come home to. Uh, question is, what do you see the sort of uh, identity impact of having Millsap been sidelined? Uh, do you feel like we can maintain that same defensive intensity? Do you feel like we shift more towards an offensively focused team? Um, again, love all the work, and you have a great night. Thanks. All right, Ray, appreciate the question. 
can the Nuggets keep this identity, this defensive identity here? Can they keep holding teams to under 90 points without Paul Millsap? They did it against Toronto. Then again, Toronto was lacking a lot of their key players, a bunch of their scores you can probably count on for 15, 20 points a night. And the Nuggets keep this up without Paul Millsap. How tough do you think it's going to be? I think that they can. Um, I mean, they did it to Toronto, uh, held them to 85 points, 14 points in the fourth quarter. I know Toronto was hurting a little bit, but I just think when, when Plumlee and Jokic are out there together, Denver is a really good defensive team. Um, Torrey Craig has also done a, a nice job shutting down opposing teams' point guards. You wrote about that earlier this week, but I think they can you know, maintain similar production on the defensive end with Plumlee and Jokic combo, which is allowing just 89 points per 100 possessions. It's been great for them. Right. I bet you're going to see the Nuggets keep going to this Jokic-Plumlee front court because how how good it is defensively. On the season, Denver's given up 104 points per 100 possessions when Paul Millsap is on the floor. When he's on the bench, they're only giving up 101.9. So Denver has actually been a better defensive team by the numbers when Paul Millsap is on the bench this year. Why? Well, it's because that bench unit with Mason Plumley, with Jamal Murray and Monte Morris and Trey Lyles and Malik Beasley has been the best bench in the league from a defensive standpoint. That five-man lineup has the best defensive rating in the league out of all five-man lineups who have played significant minutes. So Nuggets bench has been stellar on defense. Now, don't get me wrong. The Nuggets are a better defensive team with Paul Millsap. They're a worse defensive team without him. But with the level that everybody else on this roster is playing at defensively, with how good the bench has been on that end of the floor, I believe they can keep this up. They might drop off slightly. Uh, They're fourth in defensive rating right now, and I feel like that is a more accurate spot where they might settle settle in this year for you know the rest of the regular season rather than the first or second spot in defensive rating. But I think they can keep it up. It's going to be a huge test, though. I think Millsap's been the second most important player on the team this year. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see how they do. But it's going to be a tall task. I think how the bench has played, though, how the role players on this roster have picked up the slack, that gives you hope that they can at least come close to keeping this defensive intensity. All right, thanks for the question, man. We got one more to get to before we get out of here on this Monday edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. Let's go back to the hotline right now. Hi, Harrison and Christian. It's Evan from Castle Rock, a.k.a. Ranchman. I'm going to tell you one thing that I thought I knew before the season began and was wrong about, and one thing I believe I got right before the season began. And it's interesting to note that while both are directly related to Tim Connolly, he's been a very good GM, I think, for the Nuggets, but still, none of us passed a 1,000. Okay, first the one I got wrong. I thought Mason Plumlee would be the same player as he was in the prior season, a year ago, and I was wrong. He's shown some really great improvement, with the exception of his free throws, which are unbelievably bad. It can't be overstated that there's a high risk to having Plumlee in a tight game in the last eight minutes in which he might be relied upon to make free throws. Um, In fact, uh, after the Orlando game, I came upon a free throw uh, fact that the Nuggets, uh, and it may be a bit different now, 
23rd in the league in free throw shooting at 74%. First is San Antonio at 83%. And the dilemma for Connolly is that even though Plumley has turned me around, the team can only pay one bench player top dollar, making me wonder if the $13 million contract given him by Connolly is simply too much if you're trying to construct a champion. The next season may be okay if they don't re-sign Lyles and bring back Millsap on a two-year contract similar to what Plumlee has now. I'm not too sure thereafter that that works. Okay, here's the one I think I got right and I raised with you guys before the season began. Trey Lyles is not an affordable future option at backup power forward. He's not your prototypical power forward that can envision playing next to Jokic as a defensive anchor. I read a statistic recently published by McBride in which he wrote that Jokic's defensive rating when he's in the game with Millsap's 101 and his 124 when Millsap is not in the game. That was a few games ago. For me, Lyles is simply not a replacement for Millsap in the future and isn't a very good bench player now. I also saw in a Ryan Blackburn column that when Jokic and Lyles play together, it's by far the worst net rating of any twosome on the team. He's just not a six-man type player and doesn't deserve six-man money. I continue to think he should be traded by the deadline and that money should be allocated in some other manner. I'd rather see Wancho, you know, fill that role. He's just as good in rebounding defense and he has a higher upside in scoring. Thanks for your efforts. I'm out. Thanks for the call, Ranch Man. Interesting points. I agree. You're spot on on Mason Plumley. Trey Lyles, though, I think we were both a little wrong so far, right? I mean, we both expect him to shoot better from three than he has. What's your concern level right now about Lyles and his uh, three-point shot and just his overall game? Because, I mean, there's no way to cut it. He has not been great this year. And it's odd because this bench unit has played so well. Monte Morris obviously having a career year. It's really his first year, so I guess that's not really saying much. Jamal Murray's having a solid season with that bench group. Malik Beasley really breaking out at times this season. And we just spoke about Mason Plumley a lot this show, how good he has looked. Trey Lyles, though, is kind of the one guy here who hasn't got it going on that second unit. Yeah, I mean, he's been one of the, the worst high-volume three-point shooters in the entire NBA. He, he's shooting 23.5% from three-point land right now. You can just see that he has no confidence in his outside shot. He, he's throwing up bricks. He's passing up wide-open threes, um, which is fine. I mean, when, when your shot's not falling... You do just got to put your head down and get to the rim sometimes, but I don't know, man. Maybe maybe Lyles that that thirty eight point one percent he shot from three last year was kind of just an aberration. I mean, I don't think he's as bad as like twenty three and a half percent from three, but you know, maybe maybe he's just an average shooter somewhere around there instead of an above average shooter, which he showed last year. I think he'll turn around soon. I don't think he's going to be struggling under thirty percent from three for much longer. But the thing is, the longer you stay under 30%, the more misses you keep chucking up, the harder it is to dig yourself out of that hole. The more threes you have to hit to dig your percentage back up to above 30. So he's got to turn it around soon. I'm still confident he'll get it going eventually. But yeah, I think there are some legit questions and it's a legit topic to talk about if the Nuggets should bring him back next year. And I mean, I said this a few months ago when we were debating if the Nuggets should reach an extension with Lyles before the regular season started, which they could have. They didn't, but unless it's a really team-friendly deal, 
I have a hard time envisioning him being an integral piece to this team when you look at the big picture, especially if he keeps shooting like this. Yeah, I'd much rather have Wancho be be a part of the big picture. And, and I know Wancho isn't eligible for an extension this coming summer. It's the summer after that. But I would much rather have Wancho filling in the gaps at those those power forward minutes than Trey Lyles. And from what we've seen, I mean, you can't just pencil him in as he's the answer at power forward in the future. Um, him and Jokic, as, as Ranchman hit on there, have played terrible together. It's not been a good combination at all for Denver, which is, is kind of weird. But, yeah, I mean, the hope is that Paul Millsap just comes back on a lot less money um, because him and Jokic are dynamite together. So the, the hope is you hold on to Millsap for a couple more years at uh, a much lower figure, and then, you know, the answer to who's the power forward kind of sorts itself out. You, you see what you have in Jared Vanderbilt. I think Wancho can be really effective playing some four. So that's that's what you hope it shakes out. Right. You would think Jokic and Lyles would be a really solid combination. Two guys who can score in a number of ways. Two guys who were coming off really good seasons from three-point range. Neither Lyles or Jokic has shot the ball well from three. In 153 minutes together this season, the Nuggets have a negative 9.1 net rating with Jokic and Lyles on the floor together. 102.3 offensive rating, so they have been pretty poor on that end of the floor. 111.4 defensive rating, so they've been terrible defensively. Denver just hasn't played winning basketball with those two on the floor. And that's been a surprise. You would think those guys will be better together, but it's just not been a combination that has worked out. So I think there's a chance he could still be a contributing piece on this team in the long-term picture, projecting out a couple years, but he's got to turn it around for sure. All right. Well, thanks for the questions, guys. I think that's all the time we got for today's show. I know we had some other questions from a few other callers that we weren't able to get to today. Keep calling in. Let us know what you think about Tuesday's game. We'll be recording a podcast after tomorrow's matchup against the Dallas Mavericks. Talk with you guys then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.